podcast two discount grocers and a microphone hey dylan how's it going going well going well excellent excellent start so, off before you talk okay. i want to start oh, off by saying yeah, happy birthday go. happy birthday to you oh well thank you thank you uh is this where you sing for me oh i already did oh okay gotcha <laughs> sounds so, good why aren't you wearing clothes? Is that because it's your birthday? You feel you had to yeah, wear birthday, the suit? Birthday suit, you know? I mean, I feel like it's, it's uh, if it was ever appropriate, which it's not, today would be the day. So, a little awkward. And you're at yeah. Starbucks. So, you know, we'll no, see. They, their, their Wi-Fi is the best. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> so it, uh, it is my birthday today. And, uh, uh, not really doing too much. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, but, uh, you know, I did go out to dinner uh, a couple nights ago with uh, Josh and Brittany Harsh from the, the Beaverton grocery outlet, uh, formerly of Orange in Southern California. But uh, we went out to dinner and we went out to a, a nice, a nice little dinner. And uh, I wanted to, Josh was, uh, telling about an idea that he had that he had talked to Groshialit about. And I went, my God, this is so obvious. Uh, I don't know why we're not doing it yet. But would you like to hear what his idea was, Dylan? Was it the tip your cashier? No, I'm just kidding. Go. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get into that here in a second. Okay. No, uh, yeah, so the idea was, was basically when it comes to, so in Oregon, and I think in a lot of places um, now, they're going to where you it's mandatory that you charge for bags. Right. And one of the struggles of charging for bags is getting your cashiers to actually charge for bags. Um, I don't, I can't speak for everybody. That, that was a struggle at our store for a while. And every now and again, I have to kind of re look at things and make sure that it's happening. Um, and it was a struggle. He was sharing that it was a struggle for him at his store. Anyways, so he was at a uh, a self checkout at another store, uh, and at self checkout, as it does, it says how that pops up on the screen. How many bags did you want, or did you have? And so the super obvious light bulb idea is: Why are we scanning or punching in UPCs for bags? Why not when we hit the total button? Does it just not pop up? How many bags did we use? Because then we would capture all the bags. What are your thoughts? I mean, thoughts are very simple. Perfect idea. It makes it easy. I mean, any kind of prompt you have makes a task more likely to be performed, right? So, yeah, I would be for it. Um, I feel like I've heard 
that grocery outlet at one point looked at that and said it was maybe too complicated. And, and maybe this is me just thinking I heard something I didn't. Um, but I, I mean, if they said, do you want this? I'm pretty sure that every operator that has to charge their bags would take it. I mean, it, it would not be foolproof by any means, but it sure would help because I know there are days that I am being shorted pretty heavily on, on bags. And look, it's kind of one of those, it's a cost of doing business. That being said, uh, it would mitigate some of the loss for sure. So I'd be for it. Well, not only is it a cost of doing business, my friend, but it's the law. Yeah. Well, and you don't, you don't want to be breaking the law, do you? Not, not for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, I guess, you know, grocery outlet is pretty receptive to the idea. Um, you know, they're, they're working pretty hot and heavy on the store portal, uh, rollout, but maybe fingers crossed for those of us that must charge for bags. Uh, maybe this, uh, this will be a thing that they can, they can get done for us. I'm hoping so. It'll, it'll save us tens of tens of dollars. <laughs> yes. Tens of tens. Uh, <laughs> listen, man, it adds up. It oh, adds I know. Up. I know. And and there's no uh, there's no eighty six percent because it's a supply. It's a hundred percent your right, cost. Right. So you know that's that's a uh, that's money in your pocket. You know, which I'm uh, curious. Be yeah. So besides besides wages, what do you think has been the biggest kind of increase with the cost of doing business in the last few years? Uh, I mean, <laughs> this might not be true, but I feel like it's credit cards, credit card okay. processing. I mean, That's, it's still the same one percent, though, right? Basically, I mean, give it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, once again, this is just based off a of feeling, but I, I feel like, uh, mine has gone up. Okay. Uh, so you know, kind of every year it kind of creeps up, and I, you know, at one point it was, I mean, it's all a percentage of sales, but, you know, at one point it was like, point. Seven five point eight percent of oh, okay. sales or something like that. And now, I mean, just depends on the month. But I'm over. I'm at one point one percent or something like that. But I mean, it's a, it's a. As everybody knows, it's a substantial number for sure. Right. And what, what did you have in COVID, mind? Uh, I feel oh, like you have something in mind specifically. No, no, I didn't. I just was kind of talking and asking. Um, oh, okay. I, I think our credit card usage for sure went up uh, since COVID, which, you know, again, would be a bigger portion of what you pay. Um, yeah, I don't know what the biggest increase would be. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of our insurances have stayed relatively the same, a lot of other costs. Um, I, I mean, obviously, margin has been different over the last few years. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't an angled question that I was had, had some kind of answer ready. So. Okay. Gotcha. Sure. Um so yeah, so uh, well, I think uh, hopefully once again, hopefully Groshelic gets that done. And uh, you know, one more one more comment on my uh, my dinner out with the Harshes. Uh, the the place we went was a very nice restaurant, very nice. Um, but uh, they had a service fee, which was not part of the tip, by the way. A service fee that's tacked on to the end of your bill. And I, I asked the the waiter about the, well what's the difference between this and the, the tip and they explained that well the service fee goes towards uh, the wages for the the staff as a whole and the tip is for your service tonight and I was kind of like I mean on, obviously honestly it was kind of annoyed me because I'm like just 
make it part of the bill. Like, mm -hmm. you know, put it in as like the food costs this much because, but I kind of laughed about it. <clears throat> and this kind of goes with a lot of these things because I put things into, you know, terms of grocery. And I, can you imagine if uh, we had a service fee on groceries and, you know, somebody comes through and they, they buy their, their uh, you know, 50 bucks of groceries and, and there's a, you know, $5, fee tapped on tacked onto it right you know, like well what is this and like well listen you know we we had to pay our employees we had to stock the shelves uh <laughs> you know we're we just we just checked out your groceries for you that's the service fee i i cannot imagine having a service fee but if anyone was going to pilot a program it would be you. No, there would be no service fees coming to the uh, McMinnville grocery outlet at all. But right. it just—it's one of these right. trends that uh, kind of kind of annoys me. In you know, because you have resort fees at hotels, you know, the service fees, and it's like it's all the stuff that before was just wrapped into the price. But this way that they can promote right. a a certain price point for a room or a meal, and you know when really it's a different price and they're kind of hitting you up with it at the end and there's no, it's not avoidable, you know, like with hotels, they're like, well, listen, we, we have a pool and we, we wrote you this nice handwritten note saying welcome. And there was coffee in your room. So it's going to be an extra $75 a night for that, but it's not part of the room rate because it's in right. addition to, yeah. And, and more and more things, uh, you know, I don't know when last time you bought, uh, airline tickets, but same thing too. There's so many. Well, you know, you fly private, obviously. It's a little yeah. different. But for, yeah, for yeah, us yeah. people, uh, you know, th there's all, all sorts of other fees. So like your initial uh, flight, you know, you have an additional 30, 40% oftentimes on there from all the other fees. So yeah, it's definitely a way, uh, a misleading way to advertise something at a price that isn't quite right. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start advertising like no service fees, even though it's like not a thing, you know, <laughs> just to make everybody feel special. They're like, oh gosh, they don't even charge service fees at the grocery <laughs> outlet, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, now that we've hey. talked about your fancy dinners, and yes, your yes. fancy hotels and resort yeah, yeah. fees, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, who we have on. Yeah, this call. yeah. So we uh, we had uh, Kara Leva or uh, Kara Hibbs Leva. Uh, you know, I always feel like it. You know, it just sounds a little more elevated when you have the three names. What's your middle name again, Doug? Uh, I was going to ask you, Douglas. Douglas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dylan Douglas Hartung. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A, let's not do that again. Okay. It just <laughs> sounds fancy. <laughs> and yours, uh, Thomas. So Thomas. Michael Michael Thomas McGinty. Yeah. If I'm in trouble, then it's Michael Tom. But you know. Which is often, you know, is because it, oh, as, I like yours, as we know, as we know, your mother likes to yell at you quite often. See, I just wanted to find a reason to bring her back into this one again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Transition from our last one. I think I'd like to start calling you Dylan Doug. <laughs> it just has a ring to it. It doesn't really. Not, I don't think it does. Not such. Not 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 nope. a good ring, but a ring nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you do, if you do call me the middle name, there'll be a charge. There'll be an extra five dollars yeah, every service, time you call yeah, me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Excellent. Well, yeah. So we had uh Karaleva on. Uh, and I think with that, Dylan Doug and uh, <laughs> Michael Tom will uh we give you Kara. All right, welcome Kara. How's it going? Good, good. How are you guys? 
Doing well, doing well. So you have a couple different names. I'm going to have you tell everyone how you like to be called. All the different versions. <laughs> how you like to be called? Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, if you ask my parents, it's Kara Hibbs Leva. Okay. And I usually just go by Kara Leva. Just makes it a little easier. There we just go. So you know, just so you know, Mike's going to call you Hibbs now because you said not to. So <laughs> forever and ever. <laughs> All right. That's not true. Yeah, might okay. be. Yeah, so, man, Kara, is, uh... go ahead and tell us about you. Who are you? Yeah, um, I am born and raised in San Diego. I previously owned the Chula Vista Grocery Outlet, started there in 2014. Um, my dad is actually the original owner of that store. He opened up that store. Um, and I'm currently at the Pleasant Hill Grocery Outlet since December 1st. Okay, cool. So you're so you said your dad opened up Chula Vista originally. Now, did were you uh, with him from day one? I was not. Um, I actually had not such a traditional way into grocery outlet. Oh, um, welcome when, to the club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when when my dad was looking into grocery outlet, I was still in college, and you know I'm you know a very independent 21 year old thinking, I don't want to join my dad's business. I don't want to be involved in this at all. I can go make it on my own and, you know, do whatever I want. The world was, was open to me at that point. So, um, it wasn't until a year in to where I was out in the workforce and <laughs> realized that I, I don't know, I didn't know that I wanted to work for you know, someone else. And I saw how happy my dad was um, at his store. And that's kind of how he wrote me in to start working with him. <laughs> so when did Chula Vista open then? You, I think you might have said that, but. Yeah, in, in 2014. In 2014. Um, and then you came on around 2016 and, or something like that, right? So I officially owned Chula Vista oh. in 2016. Gotcha. Um, but throughout 2015, I was basically working for my dad half with him half in the AOT program. Gotcha. So when you came on, you came on with the express, like I'm going to be an owner here. Yeah. So back in the day, I don't know, <laughs> is eight years ago back in the day now, but yeah, it's um, all relative. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, there used to be the sons and daughters program for grocery outlet. I'm actually not sure if that's still around. Um, but it was essentially a fast track to becoming an owner. Um, I originally was going to be on my dad's contract um, because right around the time I jumped on with him, he got the National City Store and was a dual store operator. Um, and so I basically was running the Chula Vista store before I entered in the AOT program and kind of proving to Grocery Outlet, hey, I, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. Um, and once they kind of saw, you know, that I was running the store, they got me into the AOT program and it kind of moved pretty quickly from there. So, so what are the differences yeah. between the, uh, AOT program versus the sons and daughters kind of program? Well, for one, I immediately went to go into the GOU program without, having the essential store experience. I think most AOTs kind of, uh, well, now the program is different, but in 
back in the day, I'll keep using that phrase, um, you know, you had to go through GOU and then you kind of went in, um, or you went, you worked at a store first and then you kind of went into GOU. So I didn't have all of the experience yet. Um, and so I was kind of, that GOU experience was really me learning. Gotcha. Okay. And, and quick tease for the next podcast, we're actually going to be talking with, uh, uh, father and son who are going through that experience now, I believe. So, or they oh, just went through great. that experience. So yeah, so that'll be good. Uh, yeah. So how, okay. Uh, how old were you then at this point when you, um, when you started the, yeah. the sons and daughters? Yeah. Yeah. I was 24. Okay. So you're 24 and, and how old were you when you actually, uh, were on single single lady operator doing it <laughs> doing it all by yourself um i had just turned 26 so oh, the ripe old age of yeah. 26 gotcha <laughs> thinking back on it now i'm like wow i was such a little baby i can't believe can't believe i owned a store <laughs> yeah do you feel I mean, do you feel old now mike no <laughs> i mean not just because today's your birthday but yeah Today you know, is other my reasons. birthday, right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so during that during that program where you operated the one store and your dad operated the other store, um, what are some of the big kind of uh, struggles that you had, kind of being the younger operator of a store that you didn't exactly own at that time? Yeah, it was really interesting uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I had no previous grocery or even really retail experience at the time. And so when I came in, I was a complete sponge and the employees um, at Chula Vista that my dad had, you know, they kind of watched me learn. They watched me learn how to use a register. They watched me how to run the front end, um, you know, go through each department. And so I think in my mind, and it might've just been me being a little self-conscious, um, you know, I was worried that I wouldn't get the respect because there were employees there who had, you know, 20 years previous grocery experience um, and I was now their manager, right? Um, so I think that was one of like the biggest early hurdles was um, really making sure that I understood everything so that the employees um, that soon would become mine um, would really respect, you know, how I learned and where, where I came from. So when you transitioned to owning that store, um, did your, did your manager style have to change operationally going to the ownership piece or was it just kind of a, because you were basically running it up till then, was it kind of business as usual, uh, going forward? Yeah, it's interesting because thinking back on it, I don't know that every employee knew that that inventory was my changeover inventory because I had <laughs> prepped the store for inventory for my own changeover. Um, and we kind of just figured we're not going to really announce it. Um, you know, my key managers knew and um, they had kind of known that that was going to be the end goal was for me to own that store. Um, so it really didn't change much to, to be honest, except for the fact that they started not seeing my dad at the store. <laughs> so kind of, kind of in relation to that, uh, who is a better operator, you or your dad? 
<laughs> well, I think my dad's going to be listening to this podcast. So I, mean, my I dad. hope so. Oh. <laughs> um, so if he know, wasn't listening to this podcast, <laughs> the answer would be different. Is that what you're saying? Is that what uh, no, we're getting to? No, not at all. I really respect everything that he worked for. And I owe a lot of my success to him. I think we are very different um, in the way that we operate. Um, I don't think I mentioned this prior, but the whole goal of me getting into the AOT program was actually for me to partner with my dad and get on his contract. Um, so I was going to be on the contract with him for National City and Chula Vista. And I slowly realized that maybe I don't want to work with my dad <laughs> and maybe I want to be independent. And that's it kind of it's it changed from me just being his partner to me saying, I can do this on my own and I want to do this on my own. And I kind of figured that out during the process of learning grocery outlet and really diving into the program. So is your, is your dad still at national city? No. So no. Okay. Obviously my yeah, research is top notch. <laughs> <laughs> he retired. Um, I believe like five or six years ago now. It's, okay. it's been a while. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of the transition there. Gotcha. So kind of shortly, <laughs> shortly after you took over Chula Vista then. Yeah. Right in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how, how did that conversation go was, uh, with, you know, going say, Hey, we're going to be partners in this versus I think I kind of want to do this myself. Yeah. I think just because he had so much grocery retail experience, um, and he was the one kind of teaching me everything. It was a little hard for him to accept the fact that I wanted to go on my own. Um, but at the time he, you know, with being a single operator and running two stores, I mean, it's a lot, I think running one store for a single operator is a lot. So I think he, uh, due to that we it, it was an easy decision to say hey you know why don't you just take chula vista i'll stay at national city um and those stores are about four miles away from each other so you know we did a lot of marketing together and we ran the stores together um you know basically as we were partners anyway so so i i feel a little bit similar uh in that I don't, I don't have a, a grocery background, you know, and I started off with my parents. Um, I was just a hair older than you, but you know, <laughs> a decade or so, but anyways, um, I will say though, you know, having come into that, uh, from a different background and kind of learning stuff as I go, uh, and I still have it, not as much, but I think there's a certain amount of uh, imposter syndrome that can happen sometimes, right? Where you're like, God, am I, you know, do I really know what I'm doing? Is this really the best thing? Uh, do you, do you, fa have you faced that at all or, or do you currently? And, and how do you, how do you work around that? Oh, definitely. Um, especially in the beginning, um, my old store Chula Vista was in a very high Hispanic demographic and, um, you know, being a single female operator, younger, um, you know, traditional Hispanic family, a male is, you know, kind of that leader. Um, so for me, it was not only just being confident in my decisions, 
with my employees, but it was also being confident in just buying decisions for the store, you know, making sure that I was making my customers happy. Um, it, it, it all kind of encompassed together. Um, and I think it just, I became more confident over the years, you know, just that repetition. I mean, still to this day, which I'm sure both of you can agree with, I learned something new all the time. Something is thrown at me that I've never been able to, you know, that I haven't seen, um, but having the experience and knowing how to overcome those little situations have given me the growth and been more confident in myself. You know, you just mentioned that it's crazy. Last night I was talking to a PIC because we had a a situation happen in our store um, that had never happened. And they were like, why does this keep happening? And we were talking about the only thing that you can be sure of is that you're always going to have a new situation that's going to come up that's not going to be in any handbook that you've never dealt with every single week or month. It's crazy how... I feel like there's always something uh, just around the corner that you're not expecting. So uh, I understand that hundred percent. Was the situation that came up that you've never encountered, you had no call offs? Is that, <laughs> you didn't know how to handle it? <laughs> yeah, I've told, I've told you many times, we, we have a strong, really strong crew. Like we, uh, now I'm going to jinx it. Watch this. Uh, uh-huh. Hardly have call outs. So do not, uh, do not go there, sir. Okay. So, you know, I think, uh, being you know a big part of your a big part of your story is kind of being a young single operator and a lot of times when people are second generation operators when they get a store when they're younger um they kind of grew up in grocery outlet right whereas you had a you know a much shorter time um and i think when i think about you know, you as an operator without really knowing you or your story, I go, man, there's got to be a lot of challenges just to being a single operator, let alone being young, let alone being female. But I wonder, have there been benefits to being a young single operator? <laughs> um, yes, I, I, you know, I actually truly believe uh, that it has helped me in Pleasant Hill. Uh, you know, Pleasant Hill, the previous operators, highly successful. The store has been around for a long time. And when you go into a successful, longstanding location, it's harder to find little gaps to where you can build upon that, right? Um, And I feel like because I'm so different um, and a lot younger than the previous operators, I'm more tapped into a different, you know, marketing strategy. I'm, you know, tapped into maybe connecting with employees in a a different way um, and really building connections with customers that just are different. Um, I really feel like it's honestly helped me at Pleasant Hill. So kind of a question uh, with the whole being single operator, like obviously there are going to be benefits with being closer to the age of certain people and being able to relate differently. Um, How do you manage your time? Because I know even as a, you know, with my wife and I, there's so much to do. Like how do you manage running a store of such a high volume by yourself with your people? How do you, who do you empower? Kind of talk us through that. Yeah. I'm, I'm really fortunate to have brought my store manager with me. Um, we plan on getting him into the AOT program soon. Um, he, he's almost there. And so I think that that's a big part of my success is kind of having that second in command, um, similarly to if I had a business partner. 
Um, he takes care of a lot of the receiving and running my grocery team and kind of overseeing those departments. So it frees me up to, you know, focus on the, you know, focus on the office if I need to focus, you know, with customers, if I need to go out and market, um, if I didn't have that, my life would be extremely difficult. And I, I truly feel like any successful single operator, no matter who you are, needs that solid store manager, that solid second in charge. So your merchandising, by the way, at least uh, through what I can see on Facebook is on point. Uh, how much you. of that is you? <laughs> well, I would say it's 50, 50. I, okay. I do not do any of the displays myself, but I am the one that orders and plans. And I think my store manager, Sean, he knows exactly, uh, what I care about and the details. And, you know, I want that exact levels off power wall. I want the sign topper. I want, you know, that green nosh sign. I, you know, those small details are really important to me. Um, and he's able to execute that extremely well. Now I've never been over to, uh, Oh, actually, actually that's not true. I've been to Pleasant Hill during my tour as, uh, the recruiting process. Um, but I don't remember it well, but I did look it up 9,900 square feet. Very, very small store. Do you have a lot of room to do cross merchandising and displays? And <laughs> um, I do not. Uh, I was just having this conversation yesterday. Uh, we had a backroom meeting over at Vallejo, and I only have two spots in my store where I can pallet drop something. Um, and I have very tight aisles. Um, my previous store, Chula Vista, was over 16,000 square feet. Um, so I was not used to playing Tetris as much as I am now. I've, I've learned to order in twos instead of layers of eight, layers of 10, right? Um, I had one of the biggest power walls in the entire company. Now, I, I believe it was like 16 bays. I now have two bays. So my merchandising has had to um, definitely adjust. I can't go big on as many things as I'd like to. I think in my first week, uh, when I went to pull up in that first grocery order, I was so excited. I, I saw these awesome items. I'm like, yeah, let's get a pallet of that. Let's get a pallet of that. And it came in and I'm like, oh my gosh, where am I going to put this stuff? So that that was a big eye opener for sure. <laughs> Wait, a 16 bay power wall? Yes. That, wow. That's like a, a it, two it was an Jeez. It was an L shape. It was a complete L shape. And okay. It was bigger before I, when my dad had the store, I actually took out two bays oh to merchandise plants. So, <laughs> so by the way, I can totally empathize with you on that one because, um, when I worked at, uh, at my dad's store in Tannisborn, that store is, yeah, like 18,000 square feet and it had a massive power wall at like 20 end caps. I mean, it was just crazy. And I would order the grocery and, you know, just default was just like, yeah, get it and get a lot of it. There's going to be room. Well, you know, it's not a problem. And then when I took over St. John's, which is, sounds like a little bit bigger than your current store, but not much. It was 10,500 10, on the sales floor. I went in there to write my first order and I went, it looks full. <laughs> I don't know what to order right now. <laughs> so it was definitely a huge adjustment. It's a, it's. 
I, I think it's so much uh, so much more challenging going from a big store to a small store than vice versa, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I learned how to drive uh, a forklift in a football field of a back room. So now, now I'm learning how to, to utilize my forklift in a very small, tight U-turn area. And um, it's, it's definitely a, learn, a learning experience. So taking, taking over Pleasant Hill from uh, Jason and Kathy Olson there, they're longtime grocery operators. Uh, I went to Pleasant Hill as well when I was checking out uh, being an operator. I think a lot of people have passed through that store. Um, and talk to the two of them. Mm -hmm. uh, how was that for you uh, rolling into that store? I'm sure they were great about it, but I'm sure there's extra kind of pressure that you put on yourself. Oh, totally. I mean, they were very successful, especially in key areas. Um, beer and wine was something they were, Jason was just really well known for the wine. Um, and coming into this, I, you know, the first wine sale I had, I was very stressed out because I felt like I had these big shoes to fill. I've never had a wine customer before, but when I was searching for my next store, that was something that was important to me. I wanted to be able to sell wine. I wanted to have that um, higher end customer. Um, so just little things like that, I've, I've tried to really make my focus on with also making things that are a priority to me, the focus of the store. Um, the big thing that I wanted to do to kind of stand out was really push Nosh. Um, I felt very confident about that. And if you walk into the store now, the entire Powerwell is Nosh, most of our end caps, we're really pushing um, Nosh produce in the front. Um, and that was kind of a way that I can work in my spin on the store and, and kind of gain, you know, the extra basket ring with that higher dollar item. And um, I think those are the kind of things that I'm looking at those small details, because I'm, you know, we have a big customer base, they they built that, you know, they were very, very involved in the community. And so I have to find ways in my store um, to kind of elevate that. So so you're gonna you're focusing on Nosh now. I know you just recently redid the wine department with new mm -hmm. tables and stuff. Uh, what is your next kind of big plan to kind of put your stamp on the store or thing you want to change, if you can say? Well, um, that is a tough question because I'm I'm waiting on um, a potential expansion of the store, which I would be extremely excited and grateful if that. 100% went through um, because we are working with such a small footprint. And if you've been to the store, the parking lot is very tight, the, our aisles are tight. Um, and so with the expansion of the store, if that goes through, um, we'll be able to dedicate an entire extra section, um, a, like a beer and wine cave, if you will, um, next to the store and really expand our produce department, which that is the main priority for me. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, I feel like I might be just making this up, but I feel like when I went down there and talked to Jason and Kathy, uh, they were kind of discussing an expansion, like but moving into the 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 store next door was empty, the storefront next door, or something like that. Is is that what they're looking at doing? Is taking down a wall and 
yeah, we have um, the two tenants next to me um, are both vacant. Um, so I think they're still trying to work on, you know, the budget for that if it's feasible. Um, Get your checkbook so. out. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and that would be that would be a whole a whole other beast. I you know, I've never gone through a major remodel and I'm I'm sure that that is going to be crazy if it does happen, but uh, the benefits of that I know um, will outweigh the the stress during if if this does happen. Sure. Well, that'd be awesome, uh, especially with your limited square footage. I'm sure it would more than more than pay for itself uh, in the long run. Um, <clears throat> real quick on on taking over that store as well. I just was there. What was the expectation from Grocery Outlet? Was anything communicated to you? Because you know, yeah, once again, taking over from longtime operators that have done a really good job that have built the business. I mean, you weren't you weren't taking over a store with a ton of you know, upside to it. Um, like a lot of low hanging fruit. I mean, right. What, you know, when was, did GOI kind of communicate their kind of thoughts or expectations to you at all? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely talked in the interview process and, um, really about pushing Nosh, honestly. Um, I think that was something that, you know, when, when you've been in your store for years and years and years, you're looking at the same box, the same aisles, you're, you're seeing things that sell consistently and um, you, you may not be seeing things um, that someone coming from the outside will see. Um, and that was the immediate thing that I talked about grocery outlet with is, you know, I think that store could have a little bit more potential in the Nosh department. So um, that was one of the things as well as just, um, you know, making it a little bit more shoppable. Um, it is a tight box and to merchandise side stacks in certain places, having um, different vendor products, um, you know, just moved around. Um, I think all of those kind of were the major things that, you know, they were looking for to go into the store. They also told her to take over that store. She has to take on their shoes with all the stuff they did for corporate too. So she's now going to be at corporate doing a bunch <laughs> of classes and training and videos, I'm sure. Cause not only were they really involved in the store and community, I mean, they're such a part of grocery outlet as a whole. I mean, I, I can't, I, I probably have seen three or four different videos they've done and trainings and they, they did a part of one of our AOT trainings. So uh, you're going to do all that. I'm assuming. I have been approached a couple of times, I'm not going to lie. Uh, they, Jason and Kathy were great to work with during Changeover, and they kind of let me know the corporate side to um, owning the Pleasant Hill store, as in there are a lot of corporate people who um, live in the area, shop the store. Um, you know, Steve Wilson comes in pretty frequently, and it's, uh, you know, they were just kind of letting me know that, hey, you're going to be asked to, you know, show your store pretty frequently just because you're so close to the office. Um, you know, I've had a couple people with the onboarding come through um, and do their three days in-store experience. Um, so it's it's been a fun ride because I didn't get any of that down in SoCal because I was so far away from everything. My DSM would come by, but it was pretty rare that we had, you know, anyone other than my DSM come through. So all so, too familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
so how how has the how has the the move been from uh, Chula Vista to Pleasant Hill uh, overall? And coming from a store that I mean, you didn't open, but you kind of essentially opened, and you know, were there for a long time. Uh, to coming into a new store, new to you, new crew, new that kind of stuff. How how much has your management style had to change, or or has it really? Um, I'm definitely way more involved. Um, you know, when you have longstanding management, which I did at Chula Vista, when I left, most of the original department managers were still there. Um, so I had very little turnover in those key departments to where it gave me the flexibility to take a vacation, you know, take some time off, maybe not work as long of hours as I did in year one and year two. And coming into Pleasant Hill, I knew, hey, I'm, I'm back to, you know, working a ton, not taking a vacation, being super involved and knowing that that's going to pay off later on. Um, you know, I enjoy coming to work every single day, even if I come into a firestorm or, you know, there's something that's really stressing me out. I am truly happy solving those problems and working through them. And I think that's the biggest thing that has changed in my management style is just being a little bit more involved and working side by side um, because right now I need to. Gotcha. And how often do you uh, check out the stats from Chula Vista at this point? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I, I, might, I, I may or may not pull an Ask Steve every morning, but you know. <laughs> Aren't you glad that your Ask Steve's don't go to the store that you're asking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I th I think our ask our personal ask Steve's would tell a lot about us. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like who you're comparing to, when you're looking back, <laughs> if you're looking forward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, here's kind of a weird stat: the three of our stores are all separated by just one store for the year uh, for sales. Uh, Mike's on the bottom. I just want to point that out. Yeah, for uh, now. But the, yeah. for now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I had to I have to give you your time in the time in the sun, buddy. But I appreciate that. I got I got some things <laughs> in the works. I'm coming back so, strong. Right. So you kind of mentioned uh, <laughs> you know, Nor NorCal and Southern Cal. Uh what are some of the big differences between operating stores in those two different areas? Because I hear it's pretty different. You know, it really is, and everyone tried to tell me that, and I didn't realize it until I actually came up to the Bay Area. So and, and it's not a bad thing whatsoever. I just think there's different types of operators. In SoCal, I really feel like, you know, the operators are less tenured and, and our stores are not open as long, right? Um, up in the Bay Area, this brand is established. Um, operators have been here. Uh, it's, you know, a little bit higher volume. So you have, I would say the operators are a little bit more independent up here. Um, down in Southern California, I feel like, you know, when we're, we're scraping to get customers, right? We're doing every marketing possible. Um, and we're working with the stores around us to get that done. We're doing coupons, we're doing the bounce back, we're doing BOGOs. Um, and up in the Bay Area, even though we do them, it's not as dire as necessary as it is, you know, in San Diego, in LA, when those markets are, you know, we're, we're still trying to get our name out there. 
And I wonder too, with uh, Southern California, if, and because of just the maturity of the market, you know, is kind of what you're talking about. But, um, you know, when they first really went into that Southern California market, market, man, they were couponing like crazy down there. And I wonder if there's a certain amount, a, a, a coupon culture that was built a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, you know, well, let me ask you that. Do you, I mean, you're not down there anymore, but uh, I mean, do you feel like the amount of coupons that are used, just very generally speaking, are kind of on point for that market? Or do you feel like, do you feel like it's starting to transition out of that? No, I, I mean, I actually definitely think that the coupons are beneficial in any market you go to. But um, even in the backroom meeting that I was at yesterday, we were talking about, you know, a free egg coupon and how that would be very relevant, um, relevant to, you know, the market right now where people are still pretty sensitive to the cost of eggs or, um, you know, that EBT customer that would which primarily SoCal has that high EBT customer, you know, having them get that free egg, like that, that's a great coupon. I, I think that Grocery Outlet has done a really good job of partnering with the stores and listening to operators on what is beneficial and what's not. Uh, I like the idea of a get a free egg as in a single egg, you know, and spend $25 and, you know. <laughs> one egg. One egg for you. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and do the math on uh, how much it's going to cost to get a dozen eggs, but yeah. Oh, go ahead and do it. I think it could be a thing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so obviously the market down there, a lot more green versus here and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, operating wise, utility wise, are, are there other bigger costs with, you know, dealing with down south versus NorCal or is it all kind of the same? Well, I, I think the, I mean, the biggest thing that stands out is just the freight cost. Um, the, you know, freight cost for me up in the Bay Area is less than 1% and up there down in SoCal, you know, that that freight is sometimes over 2%. So that is a, a big difference right there and, a you know, a big contributor to, you know, the money that you make in the store, right? Um, you know, having that extra 1% to work with for your business is, I mean, it it's great to have. Um, so I think that's, the the biggest thing that there's probably difference cost wise so and i mean you haven't been in pleasant hill all that long at this point but when it comes to to marketing and, and grocery outlets involvement do you feel do you feel like it's about the same uh in the region that you're at versus the southern california region or do you feel like there's uh more more grocery outlet involvement when it comes to running <clears throat> promotions and that type of stuff down south I think there's still a little bit more focus on down south. Um, although I just got an email this morning about a big marketing push they're doing for the Bay Area, so that was awesome to see. Uh, but I think I, you know, we saw that a little bit more down in um, down south in Southern California. Gotcha. But you would take the lower freight cost over more marketing involvement any day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I definitely okay. would. Less, <laughs> I'm very less than one percent. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so just kind of going back a little bit here, because, uh, you know, you said that you're you're much more involved, not, not that you weren't involved before, but, you know, 
change over, getting to know the community, getting to know the employees, kind of figuring things out. You got an expansion, possibly fingers crossed coming up. How was life outside the store? You know, you're, you're a, you're a young happening young lady there, you know, <laughs> how, how is that treating you? Well, um, it is getting better. <laughs> you I, young whippersnappers <laughs> in your jazz music. <laughs> you know, I'm such a homebody. Like, I have not even had the chance um, to really get out and do much. Um, I'd like to, you know, ha take some time off. I know there's so many awesome places around here. I've, I have gone to Napa. Uh, which was amazing. I had never been before. It's it's nice having that, you know, under an hour drive. Um, but, uh, you know, enjoying the hiking around here. Everyone asks me, do you miss the beach? I do not. Um, it, I can still drive to the beach in Alameda or San Francisco. It's still there if I need it. Um, but, you know, just it is so different up here. And it, it is is gorgeous and just a different type of gorgeous, right? Excellent. I'm still Excellent. caught up by by Mike really trying to date himself there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, I'm 45 now, so I know, you know I know, right? Uh, you know, a little more gray in the beard, I guess, or something. <laughs> he's, he's asking you, do you still talk to your top eight MySpace friends? Listen, Mike. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk a little more about Kara, and then uh, we will end this call. So, Kara, um, you mentioned kind of what it's like to be an entrepreneur by talking about walking into a fire many times and being prepared and ready for it and almost excited for it. Um, go ahead and tell me what your aha moment was for Grocery Outlet when you just realized this is what I want to do, not just for this year, but my long term. What's your your moment? Wow, that's a great question. Um, it's I probably can put it in to maybe not a single moment, but when when I am in the store sometimes and I'm just, you know, walking the aisles, talking to my employees, and I see, you know, my store full of customers with baskets full, I sit there and think, wow, like these people are shopping in my business, something that I, you know, it's my baby, it's everything that I'm putting into it. And that feeling is something that is indescribable and that is something that keeps me going. I love ordering and seeing, you know, customers put it in their baskets, you know, the big thing, stand after the power wall and see how many items when they, when they pass that alley, how many items are in their basket. And that feeling is the feeling that keeps me going and, and saying this, you know, I love doing this and this is what I want to continue doing. Um, and then kind of on that, so advice that you would give any incoming young operator, because this is a, this is a mental game, this business, this, <laughs> this can stress you out in ways you had no idea of, uh, it's a lot of work. Um, what's advice you'd give for a single operator? The advice that I would give to a single operator, or, I mean, honestly, I, I tell this to the, the AOTs that I've trained, you know, make the connections and build your little community of help, right? Um, not just with operators, but people at Grocery Outlet, get to know a buyer, get to know, um, you know, your stores around you, get to know, 
someone where you can create your circle and you know when you have that emergency you can pick up the phone and feel confident that you built that relationship with someone because at the end of the day that's kind of what grocery outlet is right we have that culture we have that community of really supporting each other and i really think that that is a huge part of becoming an operator at grocery outlet is is really building those connections so you have that support you know, we have so many people here in this company who are willing to help and listen. Uh, I mean, there's this one person I call whenever there's an issue. Uh, he never helps me out because he's on this call <laughs> right now. Um, but but being able to kind of reference items or advice or just the vent for a second uh, when it's not someone in your store is uh, so key and, and beneficial because, I mean, like we said, there's so many new situations that happen to get another person's perspective or a person who can either either give you ideas or sometimes just calm you down or just say, oh, I've gone through this too, so you know that you're not in it alone. Uh, that's key because uh, some days are, are, are over the top out of control, but it's it's still definitely fun. I mean, you, you mentioned that too. Every day, it's still fun. Uh, you know, I've been in grocery outlet for almost seven years now and been doing grocery for 20 plus years. And, and I feel like it's not just in my blood. Like, this is who I am. This is what I know. It's what I understand. It's, it's my comfort zone. And I feel like even though those times when it's just crazy, that's where I kind of want to be versus at a normal nine to five job or, or anything else. But anyway, Mike, any thoughts on that? And uh, uh, yeah, so speaking of community, yes, all those things are true. You know, Dylan is the thoughtful one of the two of us, absolutely. Um, but uh, it is, I just want to bring it back to me, you know, as usual. Uh, it is, <laughs> it is my birthday today. And, uh, you know, Kara, Kara says she doesn't really get out very much. And, you know, she just kind of works and hangs at the home. And I don't know. How many cats do you have, Kara? <laughs> Not, not, okay, no, sorry. Wow. Zero cats. <laughs> zero Two cats. dogs, zero cats. Oh, okay, yet. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I, I want to say that it is 10.30 in the morning, um, <laughs> and uh, I have no plans to go into work, uh, and neither do these two yahoos. So that being said, um, we're going to do it. We're going to we're going to do a shot together, you know, a virtual shot here. So um, this was I will say I'm going to go on record and say this was absolutely not Kara's idea, not Kara's idea. I cannot stress definitely, this enough that wow. definitely not it was, my idea. Yes. OK, so if anybody's wondering, it was not. Kara's hey, Kara, is the, is the oil good on this bus that just ran you over? By yeah. chance? <laughs> wow. So uh, real quick. Uh, so what are we drinking here? I've got I've got a I've got some uh, uh, stout barrel aged Jameson. Oh wow! Kara, uh, what do you got there? I got a, a little Angels Envy. From oh, so outlet. there we go. There we go. Oh, ooh, ooh, from Grocery Outlet. Uh, yeah. Just gotta gotta plug that in there. There you go. Uh, can I get the? Do you know what the uh, price and elsewhere price on that is? Twenty nine ninety nine. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, okay, gotcha. And uh, Dylan, uh, you're drinking your favorite. Uh, oh, your yeah. favorite drink. I'm assuming. Uh, so, what is that? 
Uh, this is just fireball because oh, okay. uh, I didn't realize that we were going to announce what we were drinking here. Well, I know that's why <laughs> I wanted to make sure that we announced it when I saw the bottle there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, oh, last thing before we do this. Now I am going to put you on the spot, Kara. Um, but going forward, this just kind of popped into my head because um, we kind of put uh, Decker on the spot with the with the quick questions thing. Do you have a favorite quote? And uh, I think we're going to start asking this of every podcast guest, but in the future, they will actually have time to kind of like, you know, think about it. But uh, Kara's shaking her head at me right now. She's I was just like, going to, oh, I was going to say nothing. <laughs> For oh the people, gosh. for the people listening, there is a panic on her face that I have not seen yet since the beginning of this call. You um, know what? I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, anything that the birthday boy has said has been my favorite quote. Oh, oh, gee, oh, wow. The favorite this call guess. is over. Favorite, Done. yes. I'm just gonna tell you, we're actually gonna be having Kara on every <laughs> podcast just from now on just so you know okay so Perfect. all right well uh here we go uh bottoms up cheers to you cheers. guys uh thanks cheers. for coming Happy on birthday. Kara. thank you all right oh oh kara does not have a happy face on well, her right now but okay. you know it's those uh yeah all right well listen that was uh thanks for very much for coming on Thanks. Uh, we appreciate it. And it was a great, it was great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. And that was Kara. Uh, another fun interviewee, uh, another guest. Uh, I don't think we've ever ended a guest in a shot before. That was the first. Yeah. 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 Uh, the first maybe the last maybe not though you know i mean you know it could be a thing it could be i don't thing. think it should be maybe that's because <laughs> it was your birthday and and yeah it, yeah probably not probably not but eh, you know it's it makes for good listening i guess maybe i don't know we'll find uh, out i know we haven't listened to this yet so we'll see <laughs> yeah exactly exactly All right so yeah so on our next podcast we have from north tacoma we're gonna uh, you already kind of alluded to it a little bit, uh, but we have Ken and Griffin, uh, a father-son duo. Um, yeah, that's, that should be fun because Griffin, uh, I met him for the first time during the last operator meeting and seems very high energy and, and uh, excitable, I'll say. Um, yeah, it'd be fun to hear the whole changeover with a, also a very successful store where your parents um, are very, very big in the community. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I mean we touched on that a little bit with uh, with Kara here because um, she came, you know, obviously to the Sons and Daughters program as well. But um, I think we're really going to get into that topic, uh, talking to Ken and Griff for sure. So that I'm looking forward to that. Uh, how great was Kara though? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's such a such a perspective to have, you know, being. And I, listen, I mean, she's a, she's a really good operator, like all around. I don't want to make it just kind of one dimensional about, you know, young and that kind of stuff, but still what a, what a perspective. I mean, it really is a, it is a, a, a unique uh, situation. Uh, and there's not many people in her, in her uh, situation for sure. Right. And on top of that, at the volume of the store that she's at now, um, you know, we didn't really do a whole lot of research on the previous store, but just, uh, incredible volume single operator um 
yeah, uh, work cut out for her and, and, and to go into the store that I personally would not want to go into because it was a store that was ran extremely well with operators that uh, everyone seemed to like and they were really part of Grocery Outlet. Like, I mean, I like to go into a store that has opportunity, a lot of low-hanging fruit, one where you can really put your mark on it. Um, Dylan likes a in, nice low bar to be set. You that's know. right. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's fun and you know that. Um, sure, sure. But yeah, to go into a store where the expectation is already extremely high, uh, you want to be able to put your name on it to show why you're there, why you should be there, that you earned your spot and do all this stuff. And to just to go in kind of to maintain standards to start and then increase, uh, that is uh, quite the task. So yeah, give her massive credit for wanting to take that on um, and then wish her well doing that, of course. And Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, so next podcast, Ken and Griff. That's gonna be that's gonna be a good one. Uh, unlike you know most of ours are meh, whatever, fair to Midland, except for this one. Kara's awesome because wow, you know, she says anything I say is like her favorite quote. So <laughs> I gotta Venmo her her uh, fee for that later. But uh, but yeah, so Dylan. It was a it was a real pleasure uh, chatting with you as per usual. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow, I suppose. Uh, probably, I'm sure we will. So, anyways, you have a good birthday weekend, and uh, we will talk soon. And for all who are still listening, thank you again for for listening and and keeping us going. Because again, I said this almost every time, and I'm probably going to keep saying it, but this is uh, a lot of fun, uh, way more fun than I anticipated. And, and yeah, thanks, Mike, for looping me into this. You're welcome. All right, let's play the outro.